Hi, I welcome to the podcast for Grace Lutheran Church's confirmation class, God's Unfolding Promise to Renew the Whole Universe. I am Pastor Matt. And for our confirmation class, if you listen to the sort of the preview, the teaser podcast, you know that we'll be working through Dan Erlander's Man and Mercy. Uh, this is a book that has played sort of an important role in kind of my own faith development, and I hope it will enhance your faith and understanding about Christianity as well. As we begin, there's no better place to begin working through the book than with sort of chapter one, and that is where our focus for the first confirmation class session will be, will be on chapter one. But before I get into chapter one, I wanted to kind of go back and cover a couple of things that Dan Erlander mentions in his introduction, just in case you happen to skip that introduction. The introduction begins on Roman numeral page five and six, and here he kind of covers a couple of things that I think help us understand kind of the his his particular perspective and take on sort of Christian history and reading the Bible in in general. And there on page five, about four paragraphs down, the paragraph that begins, I have many reasons for offering this booklet, he lists sort of the four reasons why he has written the book. The first one that he mentions is that he loves to tell the story. And before we can tell the story, we have to kind of know what the story is. I know, I think when we kind of hear this in a Christian context, we think, of course, the story of Jesus. And that is, I think, in part what Dan Erlander means. But we're going to hit a more, we're going to cover that story a little bit more fully so that we can sort of nuance it in a, in a particular way. So while we don't know exactly what the story is that Dan is going to tell us, we will by the end of sort of our confirmation time together. So don't worry about not knowing that right off the back. It is perfectly fine if you're not exactly sure. The second is his concern for biblical illiteracy. And that I think we need to sort of ask what exactly he means by biblical illiteracy. And here I'm going to also throw in my kind of two cents in when I'm talking about biblical illiteracy. It doesn't mean that we can't read, you know, in terms of sort of seeing the words on the page and under, and speaking those same words. And it's not even just about sort of being unfamiliar with the biblical stories or, you know, like the story of King David or King Solomon or Adam or Abraham. Or if we get into the New Testament, you have Jesus, but then you have all these other details disciples, uh, you have Paul writing letters, and Peter off doing his thing, and we might not always know exactly who these people are and what they did, and I think for a lot of people that sort of gets lumped under that sum of biblical illiteracy. And while that might be a part, I don't think that is sort of the most important part. I mean, after all, the Bible is always there, so we can sort of look up and read the story of David. For me, what the true thing with biblical literacy comes, and I'm thinking maybe Dan Erland is going the same direction, is exactly how to read the Bible, how to understand it. And that, I think, is a much more sort of complex question um, because we do know how to read other documents. For example, you 
read your history book in school probably much differently than, say, you do your favorite blog um, or, or your favorite novel. Uh, you read a math book differently than, say, than you would read the Bible. Um, you read a science book differently than you would read those other things. You watch a television show for that is not a documentary in a different way than, than you would for one that is a documentary. So what do we mean when we say kind of biblical literacy and reading the Bible and how to do that? Do we read the Bible as sort of a science book? Do we read it as a history book? Do we read it as sort of a work of fiction? All of those questions, I think, are, are valid. And all of those questions is what I think kind of compounds and sort of leads us to this idea of biblical illiteracy. Because I think for many, we simply read the Bible as sort of being kind of a word-for-word, an errant factual truth kind of thing. That everything that the Bible says has to have happened. So, for example, in the creation story, there are those who will claim and stick and stick to their guns with that the, the world was created in seven days. They don't care what science says. They don't care what you learned in eighth grade or seventh grade or whatever grade that you have, uh, you learn that in. They care of what the Bible says because the Bible has to be read sort of as a book of facts. Well, I'm here to say that that is, I think, part of our biblical illiter- illiteracy problem the things that concern us with biblical literacy. Because the Bible is not something that can be read in that same factual way that you would, say, a textbook or a newspaper. It's not the way that it was written. It was written to tell a story. And sometimes that story takes images and concepts from the world that the writers themselves were a part of, It takes, obviously, its inspiration from God and the things that God has done in the life of the people, uh, not just as individuals, but really kind of as a nation. And it takes all of that and then conveys it in a way that is meant, I think, to both challenge, to comfort, to get us to see things differently, to get us to think differently. And that is what we get at the end of that paragraph that uh, Dan Erlander in in his introduction. So we get past the biblical history. He mentions he also has a deep concern for planet Earth. And here, I think he means both its people, sort of the societies and structures which inhabit the planet Earth, and then the environment itself, the ecology of the planet. And all of those things lead him to believe that it is time that we need metanoia, which is a Greek word, which is essentially, it's a Greek word that oftentimes means sort of repentance, um, or translated as repentance, but basically a changing or a turning of one's mind. And as he says, it is my desire that this booklet will be one call among many for a whole new way of thinking. And that, I think, is really what is at the heart of our Christian faith and of reading the Bible. The Bible is about a whole new way of thinking. And part of what makes it that whole new way of thinking is that in its pages, 
we confront a story and a people that just seem very odd to us. That seem like they don't work in the same way that the rest of the world works. And that, I think, is one of the, the very powerful and one of the very sort of gracious things, the gift that the Bible is. Which sort of brings us back to, okay, so exactly how do we read the Bible? Well, and Dan covers that, and we'll talk about how he reads the Bible on Roman numeral 6. And that uh, number 2 point there, the second paragraph. And he mentions that when we read the Bible, and this is true of whether a Bible, whether it's a television show, whether it's our math book, history books in school, whatever, we read it through a particular lens. His lens for reading the Bible, as he says, is through the story of Jesus, the Christ event. And we need to be a little careful here, and Dan is very careful throughout the book, and we'll see how he kind of does that. Because what we don't want to do is sort of impart Jesus onto everything in the Old Testament. So we don't want to say that, oh, well, um, God had to put the snake in the garden so that Jesus could then crush its skull later on. No, that's not what we want to do. But we do want to essentially understand Jesus as being the most... Jesus this life and death as most fully revealing who and what God is all about. And so when we, if we read it through the Jesus, the Old Testament through the Jesus story, we will see those pieces sort of come through in the stories that we read there. So as he says in that second paragraph, therefore the parts of the Bible come clearly into focus are those parts which envision a just, merciful, peaceful, inclusive, and non-hierarchical society. Other parts of the Bible, because these also are in there, recede. Those which tend towards ethnocentrism, exclusion, patriarchy, and domination. So not everything that we read in the Bible is maybe quite as edifying as some other parts. However, when we understand the Bible within its context, within the cultural context, within its historical context, when we see what it is trying to do and remember who it is that is actually writing some of these pieces within the Bible, we begin to, I think, also see how these other parts, all of those, the ethnocentrism, the exclusion, the patriarchy, the domination, tend to sort of recede in, into the background as well. So when we read the Bible, we can't just read sort of a particular passage or even sort of focus on just a particular story. We have to sort of read a a number of the stories and allow the entirety of those stories to kind of influence us and to shape us so that we begin to see the parts that are perhaps a little bit more important to God as revealed in the Bible than those other parts that maybe have a little bit more of the the human author's perspective. And and the way that we do that is by these themes that get picked up over and over again. Themes of a just, merciful, peaceful, inclusive, and non-hierarchical society. We see those in the Jesus story, but we also see them in the story of the Old Testament as well. I think we have come to kind of the end 
of this particular podcast. I hope this sort of works and helps you to kind of understand some of the things that we're going to read in this first chapter. If you haven't already, please do so before our first class. Uh, read chapter one, the beginnings. It's on page begins on page one and runs through page three. As you read, also pay attention to some of the artwork. In, in many of the cases, the artwork sort of reinforces and maybe explains in a way that the, the text itself, Dan, is trying to say. And especially there on the, on the top of page two, uh, that top illustration, I think, really kind of brings the story of Genesis chapter three, the story of the snake, Adam and Eve in the garden, to light. Look forward to seeing you at class. Feel free to text or email me any of your questions, and we'll see you next time.